Hello, you're listening to Home Talk with Greg McKim on Tuesday, January 22nd, 2019. If you're listening on another date, then the show was either being rebroadcast or was pre-recorded. Hi, I'm your host, Greg McKim. On this show, we talk about just about anything that has to do with a home, home ownership, selling a home, buying a home, financing a home, repairing, maintaining a home, and home safety. I've worked in the real estate industry for, well, since about the late 70s, everything from swinging a hammer to owning a mortgage company. My two areas of expertise are mortgage and real estate. Been in the mortgage business since 1991. Been a real estate broker since 2009. During the show, you can call in after the first 20 minutes at 425-373-5527. You can reach me off air at 206 206- Two five zero six five four five, or at gmckim at loanzilla.com. That's the mortgage company I work for, Loanzilla, NMLS 67412. And I forgot to mention, as a licensed loan originator, I have to give you my loan license number, which is 106202. You can also listen to my podcast for prior shows at 1150 kknw.com again that's 1150kknw.com and so we're about to get started by the way i don't know everything about homeownership and those areas that i'm uh, um, don't know i bring in guests and experts and today we have an expert in fire prevention and fire safety mr mike milam hello mike hi greg thanks for the invitation hey, you're welcome mike is a retired firefighter he was with the seattle fire department for roughly 35 years most of that time worked with fire engines and ladder trucks. Is that right? Yes. Yep. And he also served on the hazardous material team. He was a technical rescue team captain, a fire investigation unit captain. And the last five years of duty, he was a chief officer. What's a chief officer, Mike? Well, the guy that's out in the street with the white hat while everybody else is doing the work, talking <laughs> on the radio, trying to coordinate the effort. Okay. Chief officer. All right. So you actually were a lo- at quite a few fires. I mean, that that were taking place with the ladder trucks and the and the hoses and and and, and in there yourself as a firefighter, right? That's what we did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but then later on, you 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 coordinated the efforts of those people. Right. Okay. Interesting. By the way, Mike and I have known each other since junior high school. Yeah. We haven't really stayed in touch that much, but late, re- recently we reconnected, which has been a lot of fun. Absolutely. So um, I'm going to ask Mike some questions about fire safety. And um, one of the first questions I'd like to ask, exactly what would you do with your family if there was an emergency at your home? What would you do? The, uh, let's back up just a little bit. Okay. The big pe- picture, what we want to do is prevent as many emergencies as we can. And with planning, yeah, unlike if I was going to paint a house, I could begin, and if I saw I didn't have some of the tools I needed, I would improvise or probably realize I don't have the right stuff. I'd stop and go back and get the tools and then go to work. In emergencies, we don't have that. We're not able to call a timeout. We have to go with what we've got. And so when we talk about uh, families uh, in your house, whether it's a single-family single residence, uh, apartment building, condominiums, townhouses, 
all of the different buildings have different challenges. If you have children, if you have people with certain disabilities, you need to plan ahead for all of those uh, things. If you have a second story, that's different than a direct exit one-story building. So, yeah, let's let's get into uh, I think some I, of the things. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, as far as planning is thinking ahead. Yep. So let's take a average family. Uh, let's say we have uh, even a single person, but we'll just take a, uh, a couple of adults with a couple kids. And uh, what would we do in the case of a fire? Um, if it's during the day, that's a different situation than if you're sleeping. So uh, let's go back and uh, start with uh, planning that we want to do is talk to children, age-appropriate instructions, uh, set the example. If we can have the adults be calm uh, in a difficult situation, it's going to go a lot better. Okay, so, so I, I noticed here that you wrote down some things for us to talk about, and I misspoke at the very beginning here. And one of the things you wrote down is for each individual or, and or family to think, what would I do if there was an emergency? Do I feel confident that I have a plan in place? Exactly. That's the, the question we could start this conversation with is right now tonight, does each listener, do you feel confident that right now without any additional planning, Am I confident that I would give my family the best possible outcome in, in the situation of emergency? Well, since I'm a listener, I would have to say, unfortunately, my answer is no. Yeah. I have some ideas about things that I would do, and I have some things in place, but am I confident right now that I have as much in place as I could? No. So maybe we can get me to that level of confidence today. At the same time, the listeners, we, could, we, can, we can get that accomplished. Absolutely. And let me just let's let's talk about specific. There's other emergencies, but let's talk about fires in the home. All right. And let's recognize that all of us have an idea, depending on our experiences of what that would be like. Mm -hmm. And so for some of us, we remember seeing fires in movies and these gallant firefighters come in and they're tough guys and they save the day or whatever the situation is. Yeah. But uh Let's take one overstuffed chair and let's say that there's some, um, it burns for several hours and nothing else in the whole house is on fire. That one chair, smoldering and smoldering, um, can fill the house with smoke to the point that if I did have a breathing mask on, so I'm standing in the smoke, it may not, the building may not be real hot, but the smoke is going to be so thick that if I had a bright flashlight and I held it two feet away from my eyeballs, I wouldn't be able to see the beam. That's how thick the smoke is. So you can see if you had a uh, movie about a house fire, it wouldn't be a very interesting movie <laughs> because it would all be black smoke. Right, yeah. So that's what we got to realize. It's just like you can't breathe underwater, you can't breathe thick smoke. Uh, you say, now, I've heard this before, and, and I imagine it's true that one of the most hazardous things about a fire is the smoke. People, people are perish or are get more. Yeah, smoke's not good for anybody, right. but especially, let's, let's call uh, the old houses that uh, we had 
uh, going back to the 40s, 50s, or 60s. By and large, those houses are made with natural materials. So you have lumber, nails, uh, after the war, drywall, uh, before that, lath and plaster, mm-hmm. uh, old you know, plumbing uh, yeah. pipes and the rest of yeah. it. But furniture were made out of leather, cloth, straw. Cotton. And cotton. Mm-hmm. And those type of natural things. And they burned. They all burned if they get it hot enough. Right. But the smoke that it gave off was very different than the smoke we have in just about everybody's houses today. There are requirements, obviously, for what things can be made of, but still, when plastics and the synthetics burn, they burn hotter, they burn faster, and fire growth, it doesn't grow evenly, it's exponential. So when a fire gets rolling, so the modern buildings, when there is a fire, they're going to burn hotter and faster. Are the materials more homes. toxic too? The smokes from uh, Ab- absolutely. I would think plastic smoke is going to be more toxic than cotton smoke. So last summer when we had the the wildland fires mm-hmm. and smoke in Seattle got bad. Okay, that smoke of any kind it's not good for anybody, but especially you know four groups of people: the children, elderly, people with respiratory uh, history difficulties. Yeah. Uh, diseases and such, and women who are pregnant or may be pregnant. So basically, everybody except for young men, uh, <laughs> you know. And but as I said, it's not good for anybody. Right. So, so that is the challenge when we have a fire in a house. The the smoke's very bad. So uh, now, with that background, let's talk about uh, the worst scenario. Would well, first of all, let's go to the planning. So everybody in the family needs to have the same plan. And we do this, have a fire drill, just like kids have at school, or you may have at work in a uh, building. Uh, You have a fire drill so that kids know, know, age appropriate, what's expected of them in the case that the smoke detector goes off Mm -hmm. or there's a fire. So they get out of the building, and there's a meeting place. It may be a tree if your yard's big enough that you're away from the house or the, uh, the neighbor's tree, something that gets you away from the house. So what, what we want to do uh, during the fire, have a plan ahead of time for where we go. And uh, generally at night, the first thing is to make sure you get everybody out right away. I have a I have a respirator, not a not not a you know an oxygen fed respirator, but I've got one of those little masks you'd use that's got the canisters that are good for you know when you're doing dust and other types of construction. Right by my bed, it's not fire extinguisher right by my bed on the, on the ground, and a flashlight. And my idea is that I would put the respirator on if I smelled smoke, get grab the flashlight, grab the fire extinguisher, and figure out what to do from there. Yeah, <laughs> that's about as far as my plan goes. Well, and and. Uh, Fires uh, at the ceiling are going to be much harder than at the floor. So generally, uh, you may or may not be able to stand up. Well, and the idea, I heard smoke, that, you know, have it on the ground so you go down. Right. Stand, stand up. 
Now, what do you think about having a little respirator there at, 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 under your bed? Do you, do, do you recommend that, or is that kind of? Well, I, I think uh, use it per the instructions that came with it mm-hmm. and who, who has uh, signed off on it. Okay, are there specific types? For instance, the one I use, again, is the type you'd use for heavy dust and construction work. Are there types that are better suited for smoke? Well, there, there is, but I wouldn't, uh, yeah, follow the instructions, and it's another layer of, All right. uh, sure. Okay. It's okay, I'm just going to call a it a thing. smoke respirator. I might look into that. Um, so let's just say you've got two people in a house, and a fire alarm goes off. So you say, okay, here's what we're going to do. Everybody needs to have a respirator. Let's just say this is what you want to do as a family. Everybody needs to have a respirator under their bed, fire extinguisher under their bed, and a flash under their bed. If you can't get out the door, you got to go out a window. That's yeah. We're we're talking about a lot of material, and I yeah, wanna, I know, I know. I want to lay it out in okay, the, you in can, the you, order we should. Go the, ahead. Um, uh, we'll talk about a, a home inspection and mm-hmm. the things things we need prevention, but, of course. But staying where we are. It, if you had a fire at night, I'll, I'll, I'll cut to the end. What should you do? Okay. Okay. What I'm thinking is you hear a smoke detector or something wakes you up. And so the first thing to do is think. I hear a smoke detector. I'm waking up. Okay. Do I, right where I'm laying in bed, do I smell smoke? Is it hot? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm looking around the room. I'm evaluating what's going on just in a second. Okay, I'm going to roll out of bed. I'm going to grab a pillowcase. Or if I have a handy respirator that's <laughs> rated for it, All right. maybe I'll be able to secure that. But at, at least a sleeve, a shirt, a, a piece Something of cloth. Something to put over your face to try to... To try to filter All right. the smoke. Okay. okay, if there's any smoke in the room, okay, I'm going to use that. I'm going to take it with me to my closed door. And, and again, in a... One of the defenses against a fire, if we can keep the doors closed, it's going to sm- uh, slow a fire down. That makes sense. So generally, all the bedroom doors, you want those closed during the night. So if there is a fire in the other part of the house, uh, you'll so you be recommend alerted. as a general rule, when you go to bed at night, shut the door. Yeah, shut the door. Okay, so I make it, I crawl over to the door. Um with the back of my hand, I feel the door, low, reach up. Is it warm? Mm-hmm. Okay, with the back of my hand, I feel the knob. Is it warm? Okay, the metal, a lot of uh, uh, doorknobs are metal. They're going to conduct heat. If it's warm on the other side, faster the, knobs, than the Faster than the wood. Yeah. And is there anything coming out from under the door? And, of course, if there's any light, if you see any flickering or anything. Right, if the fire's close enough. Right. Okay, it makes sense to do so. I open the door, evaluate immediately evaluate the other side, and get to the outside of the building. If there's children in the house, obviously I need to to uh, get out. So the, the plan would be, we talked about our meeting place outside. We would want to uh, get out, get to our meeting place, and account for everybody that was in the house. All right. As soon as possible, I want to call 911. And even if I'm able, 
I, to have an adult working on, maybe it's a small fire, and trying to put the fire out, call 911. The firefighters would rather get there, the fire's out, we can take care of whatever emergency there is, and it's a little problem, then, and unfortunately what happens is people think they can take care of it, and at the point that they realize they can't, then they call 911. That delay, and I talked about the fire growing exponentially, now we have a bigger problem. So that's, that's where as soon as possible we want to be calling 911. Tell you what, let's go to a break. We've got um, a couple other sections of, of material that Mike has in front of me here to cover, and that seems like a good stopping point, do you think, right now? Sure. And we'll move on to another one. So we're going to go ahead and go to a break, let our sponsors and other um, uh, public announcements take place. So you're listening to Home Talk with Greg McKim. This is the show that covers home ownership from soup to nuts. You, we talk about just about everything having to do with home ownership. Today we're talking about fire prevention and fire, fire safety. We air each Tuesday from 3 to 4 right here on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM KKNW. During the show, you can call in at 425-373-5527. Off air, you can reach me, Greg McKim, at 206-250-6545 or Greg, excuse me, G. McKim at LoneZilla.com or visit LoneZilla.com. You can also listen to the show or prior shows by podcast at 1150kknw.com and we'll be right back after these messages. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. Every winter, up to 20 million tons of salt are applied to U.S. roads. Road salt can keep drivers safe. But when too much salt is applied on roads, it can pollute streams, kill fish, and increase salt levels in our drinking water. The good news is we can protect water quality and keep drivers safe. You can help. Join the Isaac Walton League's Winter Salt Watch to receive a free stream test kit. Then, simply dip the test strip in your stream to measure the salt level. Use your smartphone to share your results on the Winter Salt Watch map. If the salt levels in your stream are too high, the Isaac Walton League can share ways other communities are reducing salt usage. Ask for your free test kit today. To get yours, go to saltwatch.org. That's saltwatch.org. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. 
SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. Conversation you won't find on the rest of the dial. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Home Talk with Greg McKim, where we talk about almost everything related to owning a home. We air each Tuesday from 3 to 4 here on 1150 AM KKNW. Today my guest is Mike Milam, a retired from the Seattle Fire Department. And a recap of our first segment today, he was talking about a fire drill and having a plan. It's important that your family or whoever you're with, you have a plan that everybody is aware of, and it's the same plan for everyone. And Mike advises that maybe the first couple of months you do a fire drill every month, age-dependent, until you feel everybody is comfortable with that fire drill. And then maybe do, go on and do that semi-annually. Is that right, Mike? That's a good idea. And age-appropriate when the, when the kids get it, maybe once a year just to talk about it and, and go through it. And what would be some of the, the, the bullet points in a fire plan? That we Just a recap of what we did last, the last segment. Well, it is dependent. Let me just talk for a moment about the type of building. Okay. And the, you know, obviously an 80-year-old and a 15-year-old and a 30-year-old is three different situations. Sure. Mm-hmm. For if you have a building with two or three floors, you probably don't want to put, uh, ideally, you walk down the stairs and out the building. But if you're unable to, uh, it's good to have a second means of egress, a second way to get out. And there are ladders that you can roll down out a window, uh, out your bedroom, and crawl down if, if that's appropriate. Okay, ideally down the stairs, but if you can't, it's good to have a second means to get off. Another thing, okay, we get to our meeting place. You're, if you have an adult to do so as soon as possible, you're calling 911. Mm-hmm. You're making sure everybody's out. And when whoever calls 911, you want to stay on the line until the dispatcher uh, is done with you. People think it's like calling somebody. They can talk to you. There's other dispatchers in the room that are getting the police and the fire department rolling while they're still getting more information from you. Mm -hmm. So don't think that uh, they can't do, you know, five things at once. They can because that's that's what they do. So uh, that's an important point on that. So the, the, the components of a, of a plan would be obviously depend upon the age, whether someone's infirm, the type of building, and there's resources a person can look up for this sort of thing, and reading materials they can get a hold of, I'm sure online, right? Many right. different places. I, I, I think most fire departments, well, all fire departments, but uh, most fire departments, if requested, will do a uh, fire inspection of a personal home. Oh, really? Single-family residence. They may not be able to get to it right away. They have their priority of things they got to right. take care of. But uh, many fire departments provide that service, and they'll come out and talk to you and uh, uh, go through some some of the uh, finer points that are specific to your house. Let me let me talk briefly about uh, different types of housing. So we we talked a little bit about uh, apartment buildings, townhouses condominiums where you're sharing perhaps hallways, foyers, exit doors, Mm -hmm. and you want to pull your weight. You want to be a good neighbor and make sure that uh, you're keeping it safe for your, for your neighbors. Um, With that, there's 
the hallways. Uh, it's not a storage area. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may, may seem convenient to store bicycles or other things out in the hallway because then you don't have to have it in your uh, crowded apartment. But then somebody goes by, knocks the bicycle over, and then you know, somebody else is trying to get by and it'll, it'll uh, cause, make difficulties for them to get out. So that's. I'm uh, guessing that most apartment complexes have rules against having things for that reason in the hallways. Well, and HOAs probably have rules too, but of course, enforcing those rules and common sense. Right. One of, one of the challenges, and depending on the age of the building and, and uh, the features of the building, fire doors are a challenge. Uh. And, the, and security versus getting out of the building. There's, we don't need to get technical, but let's talk about the fire code. And I would, the layman's version of the fire code, can the people that are in the building get outside quickly and safely in an emergency? Can the first responders, police or fire or whoever it is, can they get into the building to do their job? And do the inherent uh, features in the building, the fire protection system, the fire doors, are they in place and are they working? One strategy to keep, as we talked about with the bedroom doors, is if, we, if the doors shut, it's going to slow down a uh, fire. The fire doors are rated, and a one-hour door, in theory, it would take one hour for a fire to get through it mm-hmm. if it's w- working as intended. Um, but what happens, especially during the summer, is fire doors are wedged open, so we can get ventilation and make it more comfortable. Yeah. So it's, it's a challenge. And certainly if you're moving furniture, you wedge the fire door open to get the stuff through, but then let it go. Um, some of the other things that we should talk about, the fire doors and exit doors, uh, uh, fire extinguishers. So every home should have at least one fire extinguisher on each floor. So you can pick those up at uh, the big box stores. Yeah, I have a couple of those. I've had them around probably for 20 years. You think maybe once in a while you should get new ones? <laughs> well, you can take them in and have them checked. Well, you know, mine have little gauges where they place them. It, it, where it, the, some sort of an indicator, little arrow or button or something that's in the green, but it's still 20 years old. Yeah. Businesses are required annually to have, have them somebody tested, checked right. out. Yeah. yeah. But from a practical standpoint, a homeowner like myself, I know Fire Chief is a company that goes around and checks them because I, I, I'm a president of a board, an association, and right. I have to let them into the common area right. clubhouse annually. But for my own, should I just, is there, is using the gauges that are, are on, are they pretty accurate? Or should I just spring a couple, you know, every once in a while spring 20 bucks and get a new one? I, uh, one that's 20 years old would be suspect. <laughs> that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So th- these are judgment calls. And certainly the conservative thing would be every year. Uh, make sure that it's squared away. Okay. But have it, or everybody knows where it is and knows how to use it. Right. There's, uh, you can Google uh, how to use them, but it basically pull the pin, point it at the base of the fire, and sweep back and forth. And pull the trigger. Yeah. To let the stuff out. Right. The fire retardant. Yes. More technical term. Yeah. So that's fire extinguishers. Uh, I want to talk about smoke detectors and CO detectors, the silent killer. So now we're talking more about prevention and, and, and warning systems than what you do if a fire breaks out. Yeah, this is the prevention. Let's put, 
let's put more energy into prevention so we don't have to deal with the sure. bad news later. But there's combination smoke CO2 detectors. You can mm. get them separate, plug in. Um, smoke detectors uh, generally in newer construction is interconnected. If you had a two or three story building, each smoke detector is connected so that you're aware if you're on one floor in a house, all three of them, if, for example, in a, with a basement, main floor, second floor, uh, with smoke detector on each floor, if one of them goes off, they all go off, mm-hmm. which is good. You have a basement fire, even though you're on the top floor, that'd be good to know. Yes. Um, and with that, the you change your clocks, change your batteries. The battery generally is a backup, but if the power's out, um, uh, battery is, uh, could be a lifesaver. Uh, fire sprinklers is something, if you're planning on building a new house, I would definitely take a long look at putting fire sprinklers in. Now, Buildings, it, seems, it seems to me that, I know that, you know, multi-unit homes, there's, there's usually a, 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 a law in a particular area, city, or county, that they have to have sprinklers in them. Is, do you know much about what the, where those laws apply and well, I, I uh, know in Seattle, at least a couple years ago. Yeah. But I, I would say for the, for the residential application, uh, it does cost money. Uh, it's something that in lower-end buildings you probably won't find uh, because a lot of folks don't see the value in a fire sprinkler. My experience is pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buildings with fire sprinklers that are working don't have big fires. How how sensitive are they? So if, let's just say you, you you do something like burn some toast in your kitchen. Are you going to have your entire house soaked? Well, it, as many people have experienced, your smoke detector will go off. Yes. Uh, but the fire sprinklers are, gener- are generally uh, heat. They're on the ceiling. So the hottest part of the mm-hmm. the room so is going to be the, at the that's, ceiling, that's, that's, but it's going to be triggered by temperature. So it's not going to be ha- not going to happen by burning your toaster. Yeah, the 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 least expensive fire sprinkler systems are wet systems. Uh-huh. So all of the pipes have water in them. So with a fusible link or other means, uh, when it's hot enough, this that specific sprinkler head will activate and spray water immediately. So they're, the thing that scares people is the water damage. Yes. But the water damage is much less than uh, obviously, fires. Obviously. So it, anyway, I, I would just say for new construction, it, I would definitely take a look at it. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're building uh, a home you plan on being in for a while, I think it's a very good investment. So a little bit more about fire prevention. So we just talked about... Um, Detection systems, smoke alarms, carbon carbon dioxide alarms, and then, of course, uh, fire suppressants, uh, sprinkler systems. What other ideas do you have for not ha- having a fire start in the first place? Obvious things like don't pile big, um, you know, don't pile gasoline-soaked rags under your bed. Well, let's, let's talk about the things in a home that causes a fire. All right. Um, the... Five top things, I would say. Number five, candles. and uh, Candles, okay. Yeah. 
Um, we'll take them in reverse order. The most important is going to be last. Got it. Kind of like, like the, the top 10 list. Yeah, yeah. Fifth place. Okay. Uh, candles. Uh, they need to be attended and don't go to bed with a candle burning. All right. Uh, it kind of makes sense. Um, my father and one of my relatives told me a story, and this was common, uh, when they were children, they would have candles in the middle of a living room on a Christmas tree, <laughs> and the kids would dance around it. Yeah. And, uh, of course, that goes back to... The good uh, old days. Yeah, and their grandparents probably right. could remember the days before electricity, and that's what you did, but... But it's like, oh my gosh! A, <laughs> by Christmas, the tree is pretty dry, and we're, and then we're having kids dance around it, and don't knock the tree over. Okay. Yeah, Uncle Ernie's drinking anyway, too much his eggnog, and <laughs> that, that was a fun tangent. But I'll, yeah. I'll move on. Number four, smoking, and I believe uh, it's still the number one cause of fire deaths in homes, is people smoking in bed, uh, go off and. Uh, the cigarette smolders for a while and eventually causes a fire. Mm -hmm. uh, if alcohol's involved, so much the worse. Uh, but if you need to smoke, hopefully smoke outside or at least smoke in the, in the common areas and not in the bedroom. Uh, number three would be electrical fires. And this would be extension cords running through doorways. Bad idea. Anytime extension cords... Uh, get bent, squeezed, eventually it's going to cause difficulties and create a create Every a once fire. in a while, I'll be running something like, say, a space heater, and then when I go to take the plug out of the wall, it's pretty darn warm. Yeah. So do you, how would you react to that if you felt a really warm cord? Not Would you would you get rid of that appliance? What, what would you be your well, concern? I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd take a look. Is it a newer cord or is it an older cord? At some point... Old cords, extension cords, need to be replaced. Okay, I'm and not. I'm just. I'm talking about an appliance cord. Yeah, and they and they do. They just over time. You know, that's the, your breaker panel. Uh, mm. You know, if it overheats, they should trip. Yeah. And the CFIs that you have in bathrooms and some other GFI places. Oh, excuse me. What did I say? C. Too but many. Too many acronyms. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. Thanks for helping me out. There. Oh, sure. So. Uh, yeah, so that it shouldn't overheat. All right. And, but, but that brings up... Um, number two? Yeah, the space heaters. Uh, Is that yeah, number two, by the way, space heaters? Uh, electrical, the heating would be number two. And certainly, right. especially December through February, the time we're in, uh, if you use a chimney, you got to get it cleaned. All right. Either yourself or somebody uh, if you, if you use the expertise. If you burn wood, make sure that chimney's cleaned yeah. on a regular basis. Yeah. At least, at least annually, depending on how much you depending use how it much you, and okay. how hot you burn. Um, al also, the furnaces need to be maintained. Uh, uh, dryers that have lint buildup mm -hmm. that don't get replaced. Um, I remember a friend had a, uh, a dryer fire. Nothing else in his wonderful home, uh, two-story house, was burned other than the dryer and the adjacent wall was And charged. this is because someone had just let the lint build up too much, never pay attention to their lint filter well, or something else. It, the, uh, it didn't turn off. Okay, so, so the, the dryer, dryer, dryer malfunctions. I see. And this is, I would, as a general rule, 
don't leave a dryer on when you're not home. When you're not home, it's not it's not that big a deal. You know, you're not okay. in that big a hurry. Wait till you're home. Turn it back on. Got it. Um, yeah. But you're you're counting on the device to work, and at some point it may not. Yeah. And uh, never even thought about anyway, that. The 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 dryer in in uh, this uh, acquaintance's basement. Uh, the teenage kid comes home, smoke in the house, calls the fire department. They take care of it. But the only thing outside of the laundry room was smoke. And all of his wife's clothes had to be replaced. You couldn't yes. get the smoke sm- is smell out. Yeah, yeah. And they were out of their house for uh, several months while they're... So uh, what's number re- one on your bad list? Number one, cooking. And oh, this is a good reason to eat eat dinner out. This all listeners right now, the the, the <laughs> wives and other you know, significant. I said, okay, honey, we're not we're not cooking anymore. I'm not cooking anymore. Well, and 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 on this uh, again, it's just good habits of keep your eyes on it, and have yeah. a timer. Oh. Either you know, if you're going to step out of the <laughs> the reminds kitchen, me one, some kind of egg timer. One time I was I, I threw a, do, a dozen eggs in a in a, a pot of water, and I and I and I fell asleep. And I woke up to an explosion. The water completely boiled away. The eggs had heated up to the point where they all went off as hand grenades, 12 of them at once. I jumped. I hit the ceiling when I heard it. And I went into my kitchen, and there were egg shells, yolk, and white stuck in every nook and cranny. I, I kept finding little pieces of eggs stuck in my, my, my kitchen for years. So here's another one. <laughs> well, you think we could take a break right now and come back and cover some sure. other material? Okay. So... We have been, uh, we're listening, we've been talking with Mike Milam, retired firefighter with the Seattle Fire Department. You're listening to Home Talk with Greg McKim, where we talk about everything related to owning a home. We air each Tuesday from 3 to 4 p.m. here on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. KKNW. You can call in during the show at 425-373-5527, or you can reach me, Greg McKim, at 206 206- Two five zero six five four five, or G McKim at LoneZilla.com. We'll be right back after these messages. If you love them enough to listen to them practice the same song on tuba, please be done. Over and over and over and over and over. Then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're correctly buckled in the back seat. Sounds good, honey. Check today at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. If you talk and they will hear you. We all want our kids to grow up safe and healthy. So we show them how. And we tell them with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. Not just one time, but every chance we get. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. Kids not only need to know the dangers and how to avoid them, they need to hear it often from you. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids and guide them through the challenges of growing up safe and healthy. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, 
visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. So you can do it if you try. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting A Teenager Learning the Lingo. Hundo P. Hundo P. Adjective. Short for being 100% sure or certain. As in, if we get a puppy, I'll Hundo P. always walk it. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit adoptuskids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. An alternative to everything else on your radio dial. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Home Talk with Greg McKim, the show that covers home ownership from A to Z. We air each Tuesday from 3 to 4 on 1150 AM KKNW. You can call in at 425-373-5527. So today my guest is Mike Milam, retired firefighter with the Seattle Fire Department. First part of the show, we talked about a plan for what happens if we have a fire in your house or wherever you live. And then we talked the second segment primarily about some things to do to prevent fires. For instance, we talked about the five most common causes of fire, starting from number five, candles, number four, smoking, (laughs) number three, electrical, number two, heating systems, and number one, cooking, which all the uh, cooks out there gives them a a reason to periodically ask to um, go out for dinner, right? Yeah, that's right. Use the timers. Stay in the <laughs> kitchen. Keep your eyes on it. We've also talked about a great idea, which I wasn't aware is available, which is you can call your local fire department, have them come out, and give you an assessment of your home, correct? Yeah. Uh, not all fire departments have the staffing to allow for that, mm-hmm. but many do. And generally, Can't hurt to ask. Yeah, generally they're all uh, thankful just to be helpful. That makes sense. So we have a caller, right, Eric? And the caller is Celia from yeah. the from the Crossroads area. Hi, Celia. I'm Greg. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for calling in. What can I do for you? I have a problem. Uh, my neighbor, uh, I live in a townhome community, and we have prefab metal fireplaces. Mm-hmm. And my neighbor across the street, they are heating their home with that fireplace, and they burn uh, big... Oh, I'm listening to myself. Sorry. They they burn very big fires in there. So you in can... the night, the smoke comes in through my windows. It comes across the street and comes into the house, wakes me up. I, I, I wake up around 3 o'clock choking and coughing. So are you concerned about the fi- their, their, whether or not their fire burning system is, is safe or mainly concerned about the irritation of the smoke coming into your house? I I don't think it's exactly safe, but uh, okay. So what, I just Mike? Don't what would, know if, what if, I do, would do about? I don't know how to keep the smoke out. And of this my is the city of Bellevue, right, Celia? Yes. Okay. Yes. So. and I don't know what what I would do. I had Sun Energy came out, and they could not find CO two, and I have CO two. Yeah, CO. Uh, okay. Things uh, you know. So the question, Mike, for me, from me, paraphrasing what, so does she, 
do you live in a in a in a single family residence or say an H townhouse? Yeah, it's a fourteen hundred square foot townhouse. It's a large house. Now, have you With gone to the board? Have you gone to the board and asked them about? See, there might be rules and regulations that that, that owners can't burn certain ways to, you know, for the neighborhood rules. Have you talked to the association about this? No, I haven't. That might be a place to start if they're, you know, just to go to them. I, I have changed my can light because the smoke comes up into the attic of the garage. Then it goes from that attic. My can lights in the upstairs draw that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the because furnace. it's a natural. The draw, it right. doesn't get draw from the garage. It only draws from the cold air inside the house. But the can light, I don't know where the smoke is coming. So it seems like there's three, three, three issues here. One is the, the irritation of the smoke. The other is the health hazard of smoke. And the other, I, yeah, and the other is the I'm potential fire hazard of, of whatever they use to burn with. So uh, there might be three approaches here. One, I'd start with the HOA. Just say, are there any rules and regulations at the HOA, you know, for, for, for one owner to, you know, I, per, not, not be irritated? Yeah, go ahead, Mike. Well, Cecilia, I, I think uh, a couple things is, as Greg talked about, maybe go to the board or if you have uh, somebody to help you put the information together. And certainly if it's safe to do so, if you're sure it's from that neighbor, it would be to be uh, direct and respectful and talk to them. If it's I not safe to do that, uh, well, then probably don't do that. But uh, uh most folks, they want to be reasonable neighbors. When everybody had, uh, you know, 40 acres, you could probably do whatever, but there's too many of us in the Puget Sound area to act, to be wood-burning. It's just... Well, Silly, have you ever talked <laughs> with your neighbor about this? I... They aren't really friendly. Mm-hmm. I mean, they... Um, I did call the their renters, and I called the owner because I noticed the high flames. I thought it was in the kitchen, but it was the fireplace. And it's a, they, we have prefab metal fireplaces. Anyway, I have thought I would go over and talk to him personally. But well, I'm, uh, you know. You're not really comfortable doing that. I don't that. want to be the nosy neighbor. Well, why don't you start with the, the HOA? It seems to me that those fireplaces are part of the structure. They're probably safe. I mean, I can't yeah. speak for those for sure. So it seems to me that it's more of an irritant and, and you know, a health, potentially a health hazard for you than and it is a safety issue. Things yeah. like, I think he burns those pallets or something. Sometimes the, the smoke smells awful. Yeah, yeah. I, I've had people in my neighborhood that have smoke coming out of their, their chimneys that I think is noxious too, and, I, and I, I, I'm not sure exactly. It doesn't always drift in my house, but sometimes it does. It's kind of like having a, a smoker out in the back <laughs> whose smoke drifts into your patio area because I live in a townhome complex too. Does that... Does that advice help you, Celia? Yeah, uh, and it's Sheila. Sheila. Okay. Yes. Oh, I missed that. Okay. I saw, I, there's a little board here that has people's names on it, and it's it said, but um, it, it, Sheila. Well, thanks very much for calling <laughs> in. I, I greatly appreciate it. Anyway, thank you. I you will. I will go to the board too. I, you know. Okay. Thank you. You bet. Good luck with that. Thanks for calling uh-huh. in. Bye bye. So, Mike, as we wrap up the show today. What are some of the other topics you'd like to cover? Cover. Well, I think people can do their own uh, inspection of their house just by themselves. If you have toddlers, get down on your knees and crawl around your house and see what's there. 
Uh, certainly one of the things that helps first responders, mm-hmm. uh, the police and the firefighters, is a visible address. So if you go out to your street, is your address obvious and is it lit? And even if the emergency's at your neighbor's house, having your address well lit will help the responders find that address. So th- that's one thing. Something unrelated to fires but is, is important is people get scalding burns. And for hot coffee and some other things, it's nice to have a water heater that's hotter, but you really don't need to. And at 120 degrees, it's plenty hot to take care of everything. The difference, what are they usually preset? There's something uh, 120 to 130, one, even 135. So when, uh, when somebody installs a hot water heater, a plumbing company, for instance, what do they typically set it at? Do you know, you know I'm, not, I'm not sure. It may, right. it may vary. But, uh, but, but the a, point is... A homeowner should check their own to make sure that it has, yeah, isn't uh, over 120. Especially if you ever have uh, older folks and especially children... Uh, the difference between 120 and 125 can they be the difference of a significant just that burn. five degrees? Yeah. Wow. And just a brief e- exposure to it. So that if that's, a, if if 100 if 120 degree water, if you ran it on your hand for a couple minutes, would it scald you or just be uncomfortable? Uh, for a child, it would cause a burn. 120. Uh, above 120, so, uh, up, definitely. 120 or below is safe. Uh, might be uncomfortable, but not yeah. not dangerous. Anything S- above 120 could actually scald yeah. a person's skin. 120 degrees versus a higher temperature, you're going to save a little money on your yeah, yeah keeping the water heater right. going. Um, I'm making notes for myself here, by the way. So, so, so fire during the day, you know, extinguish if possible. Have somebody call 911. Get out, and account for everybody. Okay, those are the one, two, three that you got to do. If you can, have an adult meet the first responders. And depending on your apartment building, condominium, it may not be obvious where the problem is. So if you have folks available, especially adults, have them go out to the street to meet them and provide uh, uh, information to help them uh, get where they need to go quicker. So, we've covered in the first section a plan, what to do if you have a fire. We also talked in the second section then about some of the top causes of fires, how to prevent them. What would happen if you're actually in a fire and you're trapped? That's the worst scenario. Well, one thing, and, and uh, I remember conversations I've had with groups of teenagers uh, who are adult-like. They have everything expected except the experience (laughs) and uh, to get them to think, okay, sometimes bad things happen to good people. What am I going to do? Because you never know for sure how you'll handle emergency, but the planning part of it, the training part is to be calm. If people are calm, they're going to make better decisions, set an example for, uh, for especially younger people. So be calm. If trapped, you're in a room and like you check the door and it's hot, put a blanket, something over the cracks at the bottom of the doors. If you have access to water, wet a towel, put it there so it'll keep the smoke out. Get to the window. Uh, If there isn't smoke out the window, open the window. Get fresh air if there's smoke in the 
in your room, uh, hang a, a sheet out or something to get people's attention. Holler if you see people mm-hmm. so that folks will know that uh, you need uh, some help. Um, if it is so smoky that you, you can't you know, stay, get your head out to get the fresh air you can. Okay, if you're on the second floor and you're physically able to, don't jump from the sill. Okay, that's going to be from 15 or 18 feet, and you're going to take that. By hanging from the window, you can reduce it from 15 feet down to an 8-foot fall. And if you are injured, you're going to be less injured. And, but that's only if you have to. If you have to jump, if where you're at is not tenable and you got to get out. So that's a couple things on uh, if, you're, if you're trapped in a fire. Oh, also, yeah, uh, call on a phone, 911, and, and try to be calm and try to give them your exact location. So it gives you a good reason to take your phone to bed, although they say for sleep purposes <laughs> you shouldn't have a, you know, a, a electronic devices, but maybe just keep it under your pillow, right? There you go. So anything else that you think would be, you, you mentioned, um, I, I mean, I asked earlier, excuse me, about different sources. Of course, these days you can get on the Internet and find lots of information that Mike shared. One of the reasons I wanted to have this show today is just it, it, periodically you need to be reminded of things. All of us think that we're prepared, that we've taken steps, but as I'm going through all these items with Mike, I realize that I'm not prepared. I've thought this through maybe 60%. And after the egg boiling instance, you know, I, I, I got a little bit more conscious of what I was doing, but then that was, I faded on it. So I'm going to go back home, take an inventory of some of the things that we have around the house, make sure the fire extinguishers work. I'm going to sleep with my door shut for now on, little things. And I hope other listeners will take similar steps and look into more, more resources. Maybe have your local fire department come out, do an assessment of your home or your townhome complex if you have one. Make sure that the apartment complex has a plan in place, too, if you live in an apartment complex. But most importantly, again, just awareness of how important these things can be. You know, hopefully none of us will ever have a a fire, but taking steps to prevent it is the key, and then being prepared if it happens is the second key, I guess. There's two keys, right? It's like a double lock. Well, thank you very much for listening to Home Talk today. I'm your host, Greg McKim. Home Talk is the show where we talk about just about anything related to homes. My background and expertise, I've been in the mortgage business since 1991. I've been a real estate broker since 2009. Each Tuesday from 3 to 4, we, t- we, have, we hold the show on 1150 a.m. You can call in at 425-373-5527. Or off air, you can reach me directly at 206-250-6545. Again, 206-250-6545 or email me at gmckim at lonezilla.com or visit lonezilla.com. You can listen to my podcast at 1150kknw.com. Next week on Tuesday, the 29th, I will have a guest who is a specialist in identity, prevent, identity theft prevention. So I hope, to hear, I hope you tune in next week. And have a great week. Thank you again for listening. 